When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings that lie. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Oh yes, Reaction Monday on Realistic with Realistic Randy Rants with Declan here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. And Randy, we are one step closer with the preseason in lock and Kellen Mond leading us to that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going there quite yet. We're going to get into some Kellen Mond conversation though. But Randy, we have some football to break down. We actually finally, no more camp stuff, no more reckless speculation stuff, some actual meat and potatoes football to break down here on on this youtube channel and i'm excited to break it down with you um first off you're back in your home studio here so so you're no yeah. you're, you're no longer flying remote you're actually back in the headquarters you're back in california i'm excited back here got back earlier last week was out of town for a couple of weeks but still made it happen so we here you're not just QB QB two or three. Like you're now a QB one. You're in the QB one chair here. Like you are. You're ready to rock. There is. There is no. There is no debate of who's quarterback two and three. And Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond and realistic Randy. You are the QB one here of, of this show. I'm I'm happy you're back in the in, in in the studio, man. Doesn't matter where I am. QB one. The chair is just where I happen to be. I make it happen no matter where I am. I love it. Well, yes, good to be back. Well, we're going to get in some Kellen Mond conversation, but Randy, you and I were uh, kicking back some topics after watching the first game against the Raiders. Let's start with let's start here. So the only real starters that played on Sunday against the Raiders were the offensive line and the defensive line, for that matter. They also some of them got some good amount of run. At least the first team offensive line did, and we were able to see Ed Ingram still uh, make his way after being like a guy who was the second, third team dude, a rookie this class and now is legitimately pushing to be a starting offensive lineman by week one against the Packers. What was your take watching uh, Ed Ingram on the offensive line for the Vikings yesterday? My take on Ed Ingram is today is the Ed Ingram appreciation show. (laughs) I feel like the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, if we're looking at it from the standpoint of Thanos' glove with Ed Ingram, we added another stone to it yesterday. I was locked in on 67 the entire game for as many snaps that he played on the field, I was locked in on him. Outstanding on run blocking, great lift off the snap of the ball, drove his feet consistently, would not be denied. Pass blocking, super solid. He embraced the fight, Declan, whereas I feel like we're used to when it comes to the interior of this offensive line, whether it's Pat Elfline, Jared Bradbury, (laughs) Jesse Davis yesterday for that matter, Whereas 
One aggressive move by the defensive tackle. <laughs> That's it. I'm done for the play. See you next snap. Whereas Ed Ingram, he matched that same energy. It's like Clash of the Titans. So without question, he should be your first team right guard. I can't wait to see what he looks like on Saturday's game. Let me hit you with, uh, let me hit you with this football sounder. I got to get you with, where's the football sounder at? Why well, can't I get the football sounder? Here we go. Come on. There we go. Football. Oh, some technical difficulty. You, you, you should go back on the road, I think, right now, because my studio ain't working on it. But uh, football, there it is. My goodness. Uh, just to add some notes, too, on Ed Ingram's play, because you, you just broke it down there in great football terms. According to Pro Football Focus, uh, who do start, yes, they do chart preseason games. Uh, Ed Ingram with a 87.3 grade yesterday, 84 in the run blocking, 74 in the pass blocking, just one quarterback hit allowed on the 17 pass blocking snaps. And yes, is he going against potentially, you know, a, a half-string Raiders defense and half-string NFL players? Yes, but could he also be, I always look at this as, could he also be allowing pressure to the slappies? Could he be looking like Wyatt Davis right now? I mean, Ray, we might have, we can get into this too. We might have seen the end of Wyatt Davis before it even began, man. I mean, that was brutal yesterday. Watched him just getting lifted off the ground. That might go down. I know Ponder is the unfortunate uh, kind of asterisk against Rick Spielman's draft class who went out and took Christian Ponder. Wyatt Davis might be a close second, dude. I mean, because he was getting lifted. But Ed Ingram, for a rookie to step in here and give us stability to your point that we have not seen on that right side in forever. Mackie and Judd and myself were legitimately trying to... Who was the last right guard that started, like, back-to-back seasons that was... Was it Anthony Herrera? Oh, like, I, I, I can't even... Brian Fusco? Like, Nick Easton? I, I can't... The, the amount of slappies they've thrown on the right guard side has been incredible, and you legitimately might have a four-year, five-year, maybe potentially even more starter now, another solidified piece on that offensive line in Ed Ingram. I was ready to fire off Josh Klein's name at right guard, but then you say back-to-back seasons, and I say, oh, never mind, that eliminates that. That's a good question. I can't remember the last time you had a right guard back-to-back seasons that was at least decent, but with this guy, the thing is, defensive tackles, they are probably the strongest dudes Mm -hmm. on any team and they're looking to get after it and if you don't match that energy that they bring to the table you're just going to get punked around not to say that you can't be a nice guy that that plays offensive line it's certainly possible but when you have someone on the o-line that can get up there and say you know what hey let's fight i'm not afraid to tussle that makes all the difference in the world now you still need some technique to go along with that because goodness i mean dakota dozier he had fight in him but no technique worth the damn I feel like Ed Ingram brings all of that to the table. I think we are in for goodness. If you think about the offensive line as a whole, the bookends are, they're going to be elite. Yep. You've got Ezra Cleveland left guard, which, okay, I'll deal with it. Ed Ingram at right guard really adds a boost to this O-line, to whereas the only problem is center, which is probably going to be a problem all year long. But that really bolsters this offensive line with the Ed Ingram addition. Jesse Davis, there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, if, and, if, and if Jesse Davis wants to be the depth guy, right, like there's going to be injuries on that sure. offensive line. Like, you know, it, it knock on wood, the 16 starter, or all the 17 games they play, if the five stars on week one will all be there fully healthy for 17 games, man, count your blessing and start going back to church because I don't think that's going to be the, the case. Someone's going to go down with an injury. You have Jesse Davis who could potentially step in and make, make a spot start there, and that's good. Like the Vikings didn't go out and pay a top dollar for the best guard available, which I might have wanted them to do at the beginning of the offseason. But they gave themselves positions where they put themselves at depth. They drafted a really good guy high in the draft. 
And now this guy legitimately might be the starter. You mentioned the two towers that they have, obviously, in their tackles. Yeah. Um, Christian Derrissaw, Brian O'Neill. Well, now you add another formidable piece in that. And it's just, unfortunately, to, to wrap up your point there about Garrett Bradbury, that's the weak link, right? Like the offensive line comes down to the yeah. wink link. Where can you penetrate that chain and break it to a degree? And Garrett Bradbury is probably still going to be that guy. You know, Austin Schlotman got a good amount of snaps yesterday. Uh, but I think it would be pretty surprising and also pretty telling about Garrett Bradbury if Austin Schlotman ends up succeeding him by the end of training camp because I don't I don't foresee that happening either. No, I think they're going to start Bradbury. But if we want to have some sort of optimism towards Bradbury starting, which is very little, assuming that Ed Ingram starts, he could be that helper to his right side because Brian O'Neill at right tackle, he's a man's man. Oh, he yeah. can handle his own on the outside to where Ed Ingram, he can sort of, babysit Bradbury at least to his right anyway as for Cleveland I don't think he has that power to do that on his left side so there is a potential weakness there but that's the optimism there but then once in a while if they load up the defensive line Ed Ingram he's going to have his hands full to where Bradbury he has to make plays on his own it's I think based off of the way they've talked about Bradbury this offseason he's going to end up starting go after J.C. Treader. seems like they're not going to do it or We'll talk about this later, potentially trading Alexander Madison for a backup center, J.C. Hassenauer from Pittsburgh. You have to look at some sort of outside options because you can't go into this season with what you've got now. Is this also just the most probably optimistic you've been about this offensive line in years? Like, Can you remember the last time really that you felt really good? I know Bradbury's still a question mark, so it's not perfect by any means. But can you remember the last time you as a Vikings fan have went into a, went into a season thinking, actually, you know what? We actually have a pretty formal offensive line here. I thought that after the 2017 season, going into 2018, Kirk Cousins' first year, because I thought the offensive line 2017 was not bad. I guess hindsight 2020 is, well, Case Keenum could get outside the pocket, roll out. So he really masked a lot of mistakes that the O-line made. But I was very optimistic then thinking, oh, my God, we have an average offensive line. It's only going to get better than bring in a pure pocket passing quarterback. And it all went to hell. But since 2017, this is the most optimistic I've been towards the offensive line. And and Kirk needs an offensive line, man. Like he he, he's to your point, he's not Keenum. He can't roll out. He's a statue. He can make great throws in the pocket when he has the time. Um, And that offensive line is really the last piece, I think, that makes you go from that 11th, 12th offense they've been the last few years to being a top-five offense, to being a top-10. I mean, all the pieces are there. The skill positions are there. Their starters are there. The offensive line's been the thing that's holding them back. And I think, and this actually segues into our next topic here, I I think what was so impressive watching, watching that Raiders game yesterday was they have so much depth on their skill position side and their running backs and wide receivers that it kind of makes Alexander Madison potentially look expendable. Now, I don't think the Vikings are shopping Alexander Madison and nor are we suggesting that they are either, but what's probably going to happen is, and this is, this happens all the time in training camps, some starting running backs going to go down, right? Like the Ravens used like eight last year. They were just riddled with injuries on their running back side. Someone's probably going to lose a running back, unfortunately. That's a starting running back, their RB1, between now and the start of the season. And then that's probably where they call the Vikings, or the Vikings could maybe facilitate that phone call and say, hey, you guys need a running back. Here's Alexander Madison. Now, I don't think Madison gets you more than like a fourth or a fifth round pick, 
unless some team's really desperate for him. And if you if you get a third or a higher for Alexander Madison, well, oh my God, you, you hit a home run there. But I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. I think they roll with Alexander Madison. They keep him. But I would watch that injury bug because it kind of unfortunately always happens or in the preseason and training camp that if someone loses a starting running back, I think that's when a team comes calling to the Vikings and making a trade. I'm not sure if they're going to get higher than what they would get for a compensatory pick. But if you can trade him for a player, a quality player, preferably a backup center for me, because no one's going to trade their starting center for a RB2 running back. But the thing is with Madison, why he's so expendable is because of who's behind him. Kane and Wangu is an explosive player, a dynamic playmaker to where his explosive cuts to get open in the passing game. Forget the running game where his vision is already better than Madison's. I feel like Madison, going back to the Seattle game a couple of years ago, fourth and one, you make that cut to the right, you win the game. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. I feel like his vision has been, it's really been equally as bad up until now to where he just puts his head down and just, (laughs) all right, I'm just going to plow through and whatever happens, so be it. And Wangu and Ty Chandler, for that matter, they actually see the cuts. They see the holes open up to make their cuts after that. Madison doesn't do that. But even in the passing game, Dalvin Cook, if he has to come off for a couple of snaps for a breather or two, he's going to line up wide, Dalvin Cook, when he's out there for the passing snaps. He's going to line up wide. There's plenty of routes that he can run. But with Madison, if he's out there on the field where Dalvin Cook comes off, you really, as Kevin O'Connell, you really have to dial back the range of routes being run by the running back in those particular snaps because Alexander Madison, outside of the dump-off passes, he can't do much more than that. And Wangu can run a plethora of routes. Once he gets that ball, it's off to the races. So. He's limited. I think he's a quality starter if given the opportunity. He's one of those running backs where if you need three yards, he'll get you four. If you need five yards, he'll get you four. He Mm -hmm. just is who he is. If you can trade him for a quality player, I'm all for it. But the depth behind Madison is super exquisite. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Kane Nwangu, like, he reminds me, and he, I think, could be even a better player than him. But, like, I always, I was a big Jarek McKinnon fan when he was here. I thought Jarek McKinnon. Great little scat back. Guy can get creative. He can catch some passes for you. He's not going to bulldoze his way up the middle for five or six yards, but get him in open space, and he can create some stuff. Kanenu Wangu, I think, actually is the next level, like if you actually unlocked him. And then Ty Chandler also kind of reminds me of Wangu in, in that matcher, that he's just a very explosive athletic running back. And to your point, Madison isn't the flashy one of that group. He will run straight up the middle. He will get you those four yards if you need it. I think if you gave him, you know, 300, 400 carries, could he foot with a thousand yards? Maybe he probably could. Um, But he's also just, he seems expendable. He's going to be a free agent after this year. I highly doubt the Vikings bring him back. And I think, I don't know if you and I were talking about this, but I think the only thing that's like lame about the NFL compared to the other four major sports is there's never a significant trade deadline, right? Like, and, and trades for that matter. Like I know we saw a good quarterback frenzy that happened this year, but in terms of in season trades or preseason, like they don't really happen unless it's out of necessity, right? Like our, our idea that if a team loses a running back, they could go get Alexander Madison, Teddy Bridgewater's leg explodes and the Vikings have to trade for Sam Bradford. There's not really like the demand of just, hey, we're going to make a trade here because we're the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball. Let's let's create some buzz here. Let's do a nice trade. Um, I don't think that necessarily happens in the NFL, but I do think if 
if a team loses its running back, someone's going to call asking for Madison. And to be honest, like I don't think the Vikings would blink at that. I, I, I know they trust him. I know they like Madison because Dalvin Cook's missed some time over the last few years. But I don't think the Vikings, like, I don't look, oh my God, they lost RB2 if they were to lose Alexander Madison in a trade. No, because the depth behind him is elite. You'll be just fine whether Madison is here or not. And the cool thing is whether if the Vikings don't end up trading Madison and Wangu and Chandler, you can keep them on the back burner for 2023 to where they can really expand their roles after that. So it's really no harm, no foul. But again, the playmaking, you really have, you can't, you can't really expand a playbook as far as running backs running routes with Madison on the field opposed to Dalvin Cook and Nwangu and Ty Chandler. So that's the only thing for me. I think they should trade him if you can get a backup center or any sort of quality player that you think can contribute to the success of the team, not just some player just to sit on the end of the de- or the end of the bench because then you're risking losing that compensatory pick, which may end up being higher in value. Yeah, you know, Judd, Judd threw out that idea as well on Mackie and Judd today that if you could actually move Madison for a, another center, like could you yeah. could you entertain doing that? Now, no one's, to your point, probably going to give up their starting center, uh, yeah. but I, I would take the depth, again, on the offensive line from the, on, from the top of our conversation of just, just have as much depth as you can there. And if guys like Ed Ingram step up, great, and push – a veteran like Chris Reed or Jesse Davis or whoever it is to the bench, that's a good thing for the Vikings. Um, you know, sticking with the skill positions too, I thought the wide receiving room was awesome yesterday. I mean, like they, they rested Justin Jefferson, they rest Adam Thielen. I applaud that. Like, thankfully, and I know Kirk had COVID, but I don't think he was going to play anyway, so I don't think it really mattered too much of a degree. They rest the majority of their starters and their star players. They didn't kind of forget. Like, Amir Smith-Marset, who actually finished the regular season last year with a nice game, he, has, he makes some nice grabs. Jalen Naylor makes a couple good grabs, who's a rookie. Ty Jackson might actually be a pretty dang good player for them. Man, like the the Chicago Bears would kill for any of these guys we're talking about right now. Hell, the Packers might even kill for one of these guys we're talking about right now. The Vikings just have a insane depth at wide receiver and running back, and we saw that in the first preseason game against the Raiders. Well, the Vikings are setting themselves up nicely for the wide receivers group for, I think, 2023 when. I really, truly believe that Adam Thielen is going to be a cap casualty after next season. Just the way his contract is set up, Justin Jefferson, he's going to have the Brinks truck of a contract. KJ Osborne, I was very concerned as far as if this is going to be Thielen's last year, what are we going to do? KJ Osborne has been lighting it up in camp, so I feel a lot more confident about him stepping into the wide receiver two role. And then after that, you mentioned it. Amir Smith-Marset, he's in line to be the wide receiver three after this season. You've got Tristan Jackson and even Myron Mitchell. I mean, they all made some great plays yesterday to where I'm just like, man, you can pick your poison. And it's not like B.C. Johnson, and he's a good player. And I, I think he, if given the opportunity, he could be a solid wide receiver three or four. But Stiff route runner makes yeah. the catch. And if he's open, go ahead and throw it to him and he can maybe make that catch. But these other guys, Jackson, Smith, Marset, Myron Mitchell, these are guys that they can kind of make plays happen on their own, not to the degree of Jefferson Thielen or Osborne, obviously, but it just looks, it looks more easy to those players to where, man, you're talking about, you can throw out empty sets for Kirk Cousins, have four or five receiver sets. Pick your poison if you're a defense. And then, oh, by the way, Dalvin Cook is in the backfield 
to catch a pass or two or still run the football, obviously not in empty set formations. But, yo, this wide receiver group is looking very nice for the Vikings after this season. Yeah, and to your point about Thielen's contract, I think this is where I I didn't I just didn't get that restructure. They did, I understand to a degree why they had to do it, but I didn't I knew that they're gonna have to pay the piper eventually. And so next season, if you cut Adam Thielen pre June one, you actually aren't saving any money. You'd have a dead cap hit of thirteen mil with only six in savings. Um, and I don't think the Vikings want to do that. And that's why I was just kind of confused by the idea of that structure. But let's also talk about the KJ Osborne factor here that, all right, we know Jeff Jefferson's going to get paid and it's going to be mega millions and he'll get the bag and secure the bag. It'll be great. But then what do you do with KJ Osborne? So if KJ Osborne either takes another step forward, which like he legitimately might, like I don't, even if Adam Thielen doesn't suffer an injury, KJ Osborne just plain and simple might have a better year than him. How do you try to lock him up? And now this is good problems for the Vikings to have that we're talking about literally locking up two wide receivers long-term that are going to be long-term contributors on top of still having, you know, depth in that room in Amir Smith, Marset, Jalen Nailers, et cetera. And it just seems like the way the NFL has tracked over the last few years that you can find wide receivers in the draft a lot easier than it was uh, previously. Um, this honestly creates like a great dilemma, I think, for the Vikings because I, I think KJ Osborne is also ready to pop. And if Amir Smith Marset is your wide receiver four, who's really mostly being groomed to be the next KJ Osborne, when that iteration opens up for him, those are good things to have for the Vikings. I'm just kind of curious too how it all shakes out by the end of of the season. Well, certainly, if you have to choose between Thielen and KJ Osborne, KJ is the younger player. But going back to your point as far as releasing Thielen. Before June 1st, yes, the Vikings, they're going to take a dead cap hit if they release him of $13.5 million. Post-June 1st, if you release him, the Vikings save actually $13.4 million mm-hmm. for the 2023 salary cap. So I think this would be a post-June 1st designation. But like I said, K.J. Osborne, you're obviously – I don't think between K.J. Osborne, even after this season, because what Thielen offers in the red zone – I'm not willing to say that K.J. Osborne, he can replicate that to have a better year this season. I think next year would be the year for him, which is why I also believe if on the open market right now, let's say Thielen and Osborne, I think because of the name and what he does offer in the red zone, Thielen would probably command a lot more. To where K.J. Osborne on the open market, I feel like he's he's still kind of a hidden gem for the Vikings. Because last year was his first year as a receiver. This is going to be his second year. So maybe it changes after the 2022 season. But I think the Vikings may have some sort of leverage to maybe get Osborne on somewhat of the cheap. I don't know what his market is going to be. I don't think it's going to be a situation where he gets Tyreek Hill money or like that, where every receiver that's a free agent, let's just throw money at him. I don't think KJ Osborne is at that level right now. But I think Thielen's going to be gone, but after that, Jackson, Myron Mitchell, I mean, my goodness, the, it, it is endless, the weapons that the Vikings have. You know, I think the only fear in, in your idea that KJ would get paid is like, you know, like Christian Kirk last, you know, this last offseason got like that absurd deal from Jacksonville, and, and look, he, Kyler Murray might That's have made him, but like, I don't think anyone's going to do like a, he got a four-year, $72 million contract for a guy who had a good season last year, 77 grabs, you know, almost a thousand yards, but never a thousand yards in a season, uh, never more than six touchdowns in a season. Clearly not a guy you would give probably $70 million to. 
Uh, but I think it just goes back to our grand point that you can find wide receivers. So even if they were to lose a KJ Osborne, um, I don't think it would be the end of the world for him. And to your Adam Thielen point, yeah, some team will give him money. He seems like a perfect Patriot, does he not? Like, not just typecast him, but yeah. like Adam Thielen yeah. screams New England Patriot, Bill Belichick offense. I can totally see that happening. Um, but yeah, I just think watching those wide receivers catch a lot of passes, like Kirk. Kirk might be slinging touchdowns all over the place. Like, obviously, Jefferson and Thielen are going to get the bulk of them. Osborne and hopefully Herb Smith, if he's healthy. There could be a case he's throwing touchdowns like six or seven different players next year, and or this season, I should say. And it's going to be a blast to watch it unfold on offense. I think you're looking at three potential weapons getting 1,000 yards. Yeah. Thielen, if he stays healthy, obviously Jefferson. And then really that third person, if Irv can stay healthy, it would be him. But if not, it could very well be K.J. Osborne. He's going to sling the football. And don't count out the running backs either. They are going to be basically, as far as targets are concerned, I would say your wide receiver four, Dalvin Cook. So it's, I think three people are going to get 1,000 yards receiving. But, yeah, he's going to spread the ball around. And it's, again, for the defense, it's pick your poison. There are going to be mismatches every single play. And I think with Kevin O'Connell allowing his quarterback to be put in the best possible positions to succeed, I think he's going to allow Kirk Cousins to, okay, maybe audible out of the original play, but also say, okay, let me scan the field. Where's the mismatches? Let's go after that. It is going to be, I think this team is destined for greatness. Who is going to stop this offense? Seriously. Yeah. I, I don't think very many are. I'd be I think the Vikings are in a position to where they can be top three in points, yardage, all of that stuff when it comes to the offense. They are going to be one of the more unstoppable teams in the league, offensively speaking. Defense, that's a whole different. And that's my goal. I just want this offense. And that's my bare minimum goal for 2022. Can the offense be can't miss stuff? Can it be a thing that scores a ton of points, racks up a ton of yards, fulfills its potential? That's my lowest bar to clear in 2022. Uh, this is Realist Randy Rance on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. Randy, let's stick on the offensive side here. We made it like 25 minutes into the Ed Ingram appreciation episode, and we actually haven't talked about the quarterback play. So a little bravo to us to actually, hey, we're not going to feed you a ton of Kellen Mond stuff, which we will gladly have done on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd also. But let's get to let's get your takes here on the quarterback situation. So Kellen Mond doesn't start yesterday, splits the snaps with Sean Mannion. Uh, a couple touchdowns, a couple nice throws, a couple times where, in my opinion, he looked a little still lost and still trying to process everything. Uh, after you watched the game and the film, what did you take away from Kellen Mond uh, in his first 2022 preseason game? Kellen Mond, he made some nice plays. The two touchdowns, the first touchdown to Albert Wilson was incredible. It was a tight window, a slant route by Wilson, fitted in there to where only he could catch it. It was a nice play. However, Mon didn't really get comfortable until the game got late. And in preseason, when games get late, the teams go towards the end of their bench. So, of course, against fourth-string guys, Kellen Mon is just, oh, my God, just looking a lot more relaxed and fluid to where earlier he stiffened the shoulders. <laughs> so I, I think, I think if, if we're talking about a leash for Kellen Mon, I would say I don't think he should be the – backup quarterback for this team I think the Vikings should look outside of the locker room but if you're going to keep it in-house and obviously he should be the QB too 
I'm willing to, in Mon's defense, say that this is probably the first year. He's in his second year right now. This is probably the first year that he's getting any sort of real quarterback development. Yeah. So I would say give him till next year to see what he's really all about. But if Kirk Cousins goes down, this team is absolutely screwed. Earlier in the game against the second, third teams, Kellen Mon and Sean Mannion, for that matter, was, do we not forget, throwing passes, sailing them out the back of the end zone. I'm pretty sure landed in Huntington Bank Stadium. <laughs> but yeah, as the game got le- as the game got later, he looked a little bit more comfortable. But Kellen Mond, I, I just, by default, he should be the backup quarterback if we're keeping it in-house. So I, I, Judd's take on this matter was, you know, he is now at least the QB3. You know, he went from a guy who might not even be on the 53-man roster to a guy right. who should be on the 53 but probably is more best served as being a, a QB three at this point, not a true backup to not stun his development and to also give the Vikings a more viable option behind Kirk. Um, you know, I, I think that's a fair bar for him to clear after, you know, now his first real full season um, with a, with a head coach that now appreciates him after a kind of a lost rookie year. Um, I'm, I'm just curious how well, how much more he plays throughout the preseason and what kind of looks he gets more in practice and training camp drills and situations like you know they're going to take more stock into those kind of things they are in the preseason games because you just pointed out too that you know by the time you really settled in and started making nicer throws well as late he's playing third and four string dudes that probably won't even be on any 53-man roster for the most part um but i i'm curious on his development and i thought yesterday was a good finding like first step like we wanted to see something from kellen mond since they drafted him basically like because it kind of came out of left field that they were going to take the quarterback in general in 2021 and I think some Vikings fans, myself included, kind of got really overhyped in that situation when you took a guy from a Power 5 school and it was a four-year starter at Texas A&M. And then he kind of turned out, oh, the coach didn't like him. And then he battled some injuries. He battled COVID. And then it was a lost year. Well, then yesterday, it doesn't feel like it's a year too late. It's like your point. I, I think he still sticks around, whether he's the indeed backup quarterback or not in 2022. He's probably going to make this roster. Um, but I, I just want to see him continue to progress, right? I want to see him be able to be more comfortable in the pocket to the point where if the Vikings had to play him, and right now he's not suited for this yet, if they had to play him, I feel decent that their chances of winning a football game are there. Like, I think they could potentially win a game if he continues his development. I hope he just continues to get more opportunity. Like, I don't need to see Sean Mannion. Like, why did Sean Mannion come back into the game? I understood why he kind of got the first series, like, whatever. But why, why is he coming back into the game, dude? Like, give Kellen Mond all the ropes and opportunities you should be giving him in the preseason. Well, the, the actual first-team offense, quarterbacks, receivers, the weapons, they shouldn't start at all this preseason. Just go ahead and rest them, let them start in the regular season, which means Kellen Mond, for the rest of this preseason, should start the games as the quarterback. That way you can see what he's really capable of and really progress in his development. Sean Mannion. I I hate that I have to constantly do this, but the team has left me with no choice. They keep forcing this guy on this roster. Who knows if he makes the roster again? I wouldn't be shocked. But Sean Mannion, I said this in 2019 when we first saw him in the preseason game. I said, are you serious? What are we doing right here? Is this a joke? Get him off the team. He's not ready. And they kept him on the roster. What we saw yesterday is who Sean Mannion has always been. Preseason games, last year against the Packers in the regular season, yesterday, he can't play football. To your point, in the 
fourth quarter, they brought this dude back. I guess if nothing else to say, well, Kellen Mond just threw a touchdown pass. Go ahead, Sean Manny. You can get out there and do it too. We believe in you. The lengths that this team is willing to go to coddle this guy, the co-backup quarterback BS. It's just, why are we doing this? It's simple. And it is an insult to the intelligence of this fan base that we have to, he's on the team, so we are forced to talk about him all the time, but it is an insult to the intelligence of this fan base that they keep coming up with ways to say, no, he's so valuable. And I've put this out there in the universe for years now to say, okay, for everyone, the team selected, selective members of the media that was just kissing this dude's butt left and right unapologetically to say, oh my God, he's so valuable to this team. Explain to me what he does on the football field that is so great. You can't. And if you try, you're pretending. It's a joke. He can't play football, not at the professional level, but I wouldn't be surprised if he made the team after all. Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked at this rate. And and if they, I mean, we've seen him in game action. You know, if he wants to start the, you know, week 17 game when the Vikings have a playoff seed, you know, seed wrapped up, that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, if he has to come into a legitimate game like he had to do in Lambeau, that's just going to be bad news. And to be honest, if it's Kellen Mond and the Vikings offense is fully healthy with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, like I like those chances a little bit more. I If, if Kellen Mond indeed develops and takes the necessary steps forward, um, I like those chances for him to do it, but Sean Manning ain't it, dude. Like, I, th- if he wants to be a coach, let him be a coach. Like, I, I have no problem with that, but I don't think there's any value in him taking up a roster spot at this point and then also being essentially quarterback too, ready to be Superman if Kirk does suffer an injury or can't play. Uh, it, it, it'd be, I think it's more malpractice to throw him in and more insulting to throw Sean Manning in, in than it would be to throw a Kellen Mond in who might not be ready for the situation, but at least I want to see how he handles it. I know Sean Manning can't do it, dude. Like I preach, I hear exactly what you're saying. I don't think it makes much of any sense to to continue to trot him out there. I don't get it. Um, defensively, Randy, we have obviously been breaking down some offense here. I I uh, complained about this with Mackie and Judd. Curious what your thoughts are. I think this illegal contact hoopla is gonna just be a gong show for at least like the first half of the NFL season. I think the Vikings got flagged three times for it on Sunday, and it, look, it's the initiative. You know, they, they they always look at what what didn't happen the year before. This happens in hockey all the time too, Randy, where they'll like, oh, there's been a face off infractions. Their skates are too far when we're dropping the puck, and it's like we're really gonna like spend so much time waiting for those skates to not be in the dot, like while we're trying to just drop the damn puck. I feel like it's going to be the same thing kind of in the NFL. And I just have, it, it's the Vikings uh, fear in me that there's going to be a situation where the Vikings need to stop on defense and there's going to be an illegal contact call the last two minutes of the game, automatic first down, the Vikings never get the ball back, and it's an L. Uh, I, just, I hope to God that doesn't happen, but I feel like this illegal contact initiative is just going to be a gong show trying to figure out throughout the season. Well, the NFL wants a maxed out offensive product bar none they don't care about the defense it's clearly changed from when we grew up watching the sport but to be honest i hear what you're saying i would be worked up too unfortunately i'm dead inside when it comes to this because i feel like every year every year declan the officials roger goodell whoever's in charge of making these rules they come up with new ways to just piss off the fans they've heard the complaints they know how much we're tired of it but they still up the ante every single year. Going back to 
goodness, Tom Brady, I think it was in 2007 where he tore his ACL. And after that, we got to protect the quarterback. Or after the Anthony Barr play on Aaron Rodgers, okay, well, if you tackle the quarterback, you sack him, you can't put your full body weight on him. What kind of crap is that? <laughs> Every So now whenever I see a flag, I'm just like, all right, this, this is just what it is. I will tell you what does annoy me, though, or not even annoys me, but just takes away the spirit of the game for me, is that for years I just have not been able to watch a game in full excitement to whereas a big play. How many times has this happened? A big play, a 50-yard bomb catch, amazing. Oh, my God, look at the celebration. That's a first down. Oh, the, the Vikings are back in this game, or insert team here, they're back in this game. And, whoa, that was amazing. If you're watching the game, oh, that's amazing. And then, oh, there's a flag. There's a flag. And then the refs come out, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, holding uh, number 77, that's a 15-yard penalty. And it wasn't even really a holding. So whenever a big play happens, I, before I can release my emotions, I have to sit back in the back of my head. I'm like, uh, is, is there going to be a flag? I don't know if I'm allowed to be excited yet. And then if there isn't a flag, I wasn't able to enjoy that play in the moment. So I feel like it's going to be more of the same this year. But as far as look at all these flags, I, I just, that's just the sport of football at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I'm guessing too, they're obviously putting an emphasis here in the preseason for the lack of a better word. And, and they're going to try to give, coaches and players and teams enough ample opportunity to say hey this is what it is i know you might think it's egregious now but this is what we're going to call how do you adjust to it i i and i'm not even someone who played football growing up i don't know if you can tell that by my size but uh but if you're a defensive back i just don't know what else there is to do at this point like how how do you cover someone in the nfl and i know it's been geared towards being an offensive league but i feel for the defensive backs like we, we have high hopes for andrew booth jr is going to be able to step in and he was pretty good at clemson that adjustment from going from college to the NFL is one thing that's already pretty substantial. And now it's like, hey, dude, this is illegal contact. And what you've been able to probably get away with throughout your entire career as a defensive back, you're actually going to be flagged for it every single time. I just think it it puts defensive backs in, in a hole. And to your point, too, I think the, the grand scheme of things, it just it ruins the game for fans. Like Because we're now, we're always waiting when the 50-yard bomb comes up. Like, <gasps> like you're waiting for the shoe to drop, for, for lack of a better word. So... God, I just, I just don't want it to be a bad thing. I, I think that was what I was focused mostly on defensively watching the game yesterday was just because with the, the defensive line and Daniel Hunter's and Darius Smith being out, uh, there wasn't a lot that I was like necessarily looking for on defense, but I just noticed at least three of those illegal contact calls, and I was like, oh my God, they weren't kidding. This is actually going to be a thing. So I hope it's not, and I hope it doesn't ruin my Sundays like you just kind of uh, said it, it shouldn't, but I, I just hope it doesn't become a substantial thing throughout the season and cost the Vikings a game. You just have to wait until the air clears to get excited. That's what I do now when watching football games. But if there is any sort of if there is any sort of bright side towards all these flags, and like you said, defensive backs, what are they supposed to do? Well, guys like Jalen Ramsey, one of the top tier cornerbacks in the league, if you can find a way to still produce at a high level despite right. how the league is being geared towards the offense that's going to be a much bigger payday for you. So all you got to do is be one of the best corners in the league, right. and you'll be just fine. It's true. But after that, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit dicey there. Uh, Randy, any other takeaways you noticed, maybe defensively or offensively in that first preseason game? I like Brian Asamoah a lot. Yeah. If Jordan Hicks has to come out for a couple of plays, or Eric Kendricks, Brian Asamoah can come in as an inside linebacker. 
he's going to be nice. I think he's going to contribute to the success of this team. After that, quite honestly, Patrick Jones did a very nice job yesterday as well. He contributed towards a sack yesterday along with Armin Watts. But defensively, depth-wise, the Vikings need a ton of work. I feel very good about the starters, but no one really knocked my socks off defensively yesterday besides those two players I just mentioned. Yeah, same thing. I think just with the main starters being out, you know, um, you know, Lewis Seen was able to get a good amount of snaps in and good for him to at least make some type of role here because if he's not a quote-unquote starter on week one, you know, he's kind of behind the depth chart a little bit, but he's still going to be playing. So I'm just kind of curious how he figures in uh, to the defensive scheme. But in general, kind of all eyes were on Kellen Mond. All eyes were on the offensive line since all of them played. Um, and now the Vikings get another crack uh, in preseason football against the Niners who come to town this week. So they'll get to like see the Niners for three days. They'll play them in an actual preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium on Saturday. Your boy Jimmy G coming to Minneapolis. Uh, I don't know if he's actually going to No, no be he's not. No, he's not. He's not coming. Uh, from what I saw, he's not going to be traveling with the team at all. Oh, wow. Okay. He's not even going to participate. Cool. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be in Minnesota, but even if he is, he's not going to participate in anything, including the joint practice. Well, my girlfriend who is in love with Jimmy Garoppolo and his looks is going to be very disappointed when she hears that uh, Jimmy G is not going to be uh, roaming around the neighborhoods. So RIP to her. I'm so sorry. Jimmy Gorgeous is not going to be not going to be around. Have a subway in That's his right. honor. That's right. We can do that at least. Uh, Randy. Appreciate you coming on for Realistic Randy Rants, man. We got uh, more football to react to next Monday uh, once we watch that 49ers game. Maybe we'll be closer from QB3 to QB2. Excited to watch it. And I'll be, uh, I'll be talking to you next Monday, man. Hey, man. Good stuff, Declan. All right. Hit the subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Realistic Randy Rants. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Yes. Do it.